Welcome to the College Baseball Nation podcast. I'm your host, John Peters, joined by Kyle McKelvey. Today on the podcast, we're recapping all the action from the 10th weekend of college baseball. Let's talk college baseball. Kyle, once again, it's great to see you. You too. Today, I was talking to my wife and she said that for me to have a higher success with this podcast, I should... Uh, play up my southern draw and drop my voice uh-huh. like a hack half octave on the podcast just to have that like old timey radio type of voice. Um, needless to say, I did not take her advice. I, I don't know if I can live my life in in that character. <laughs> well, I think we could both work on it a little bit. Oh no, mm-hmm. where's the mute button? <laughs> how do I get <laughs> how do I get this terrible person off my See, screen? That was more. That felt more Arkansas than than like I don't know Texas Southern. I, I can work on it. it went, you went it. a little deep deeper south, I think. Yeah. Now I have a question for you to get us to get us warmed up, get the juices flowing, get the the talking muscles all nice and loose. Uh, what's your college baseball town Mount Rushmore? So like, what are the four towns mm-hmm. that you would most want to go watch college baseball? And this is not like where the best four stadiums because that conversation gets hashed out. I want to get to know you, Kyle, a little bit better. <laughs> I mean, for me, it centers a lot around food, uh, stadium food or city food. So like if I'm if I'm in the city for for like the whole weekend watching a series uh, versus just like a, a one off, like if it's just a one off, then you're pretty much just comparing stadium atmospheres. So I, I don't know if I want to do that, but like. A city it needs to be a college town, in my opinion, that has pretty good food. Um, but it's hard because you can find really good food pretty much anywhere you go. Like there's, you just kind of know exactly where to look. Like in Omaha, you might not think it has the best food, but if you go to if you go to downtown, you're going to find some pretty good stuff. Or like uh, Starkville, they have some pretty good barbecue. Yeah, brunch. That's a huge. That's an important thing. Brunch in Omaha so is pretty I, good. Yeah, it was. Uh, I feel like. I feel like I want I want to see the duty like duty noble I want to see Starkville. Um it, I've heard there's not a lot else to do in Starkville aside from sports, but I still want to go check it out. I think that'd be fun. I mean, what's wrong with that? Um, I like sports. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I, I love sports. <laughs> and it's the uh the Carnegie Hall of College Baseball, is that what they call it? I don't know. That uh, is what they call it. I think my first one I'm going to throw out Omaha on there. I think it's a little mm-hmm. bit cheap, but knowing that you can uh year round Watch uh, uh, college baseball there uh, is great. But most importantly, you get the Big Ten tournament and the College World Series there. So you get a lot of postseason baseball. Uh, on, most a, importantly, the Big Ten tournament. And <laughs> most importantly, it's it's postseason. Most importantly, you get to see uh, Iowa beat up on Maryland in an okay. elimination game. Uh, and that's or the pinnacle. Creighton of beat Nebraska season. in a midweek. Yes, that's that's why I would want Omaha for those really big all Nebraska midweek games. No, uh, I think I think uh, Omaha would be number one, or uh, we definitely fill one of the places on my Mount Rushmore. I don't know. I like College Station a lot just because that's where I went to school, and I know all the good places to go. That's a good like, one. <laughs> the pretzels in the stadium are really nice. <laughs> I think that might be the third that's time it. you've mentioned College Station pretzels. Uh, A&M I pretzels. Mean, if you haven't tried them, you have to go try them. Like we need to get you down here at some point to have a, a pretzel. You'll see. You'll see. Yeah, I think likewise. I'm going to throw Palo Alto on there. Uh, going mm-hmm. to, to school there in California, I definitely recognize. Not the nicest stadium in the country, but it is a very nice stadium. It's a very nice, cozy stadium. Yep. 
and the amount of top so much foul territory so much foul territory (laughs) that is true uh but having the the trees in the outfield the hills in the background and uh the sleepy vibe of palo alto is just a really pleasant place to watch some college baseball yeah, and you can get some pretty good weather throughout all of college baseball season. You that is true. With... Yeah, you show up in like February and it's like 65 degrees and sunny. And you're like, okay, that's pretty nice. And you show up in June when they're always hosting. And it's 75 degrees and sunny. And it's, yeah, the same exact thing. Yeah, so I, I guess I hadn't watched much live baseball at Stanford. Or maybe they like when I did, they didn't pan out very much. But I didn't realize it, just how much foul, foul territory there is there. It just kept going. Yeah. Uh, it, it used to be uh, a big farm, right? They call Stanford the farm. So yeah. uh, they just embrace that mindset. You know, got to have open pastures everywhere, <laughs> including yeah, your foul you, territory. You put some cows out there to, yeah. to mow the grass, you know? Yeah, that's the grounds crew at Stanford is actually just a bunch of goats. I mean, that's perfect. That's all you need, really. <laughs> all um, right. What, what where, where are you going, What's number next? three? I don't know. I don't want to be too Southern. I feel like I got to explore. I, I want to go out to Oregon State, have, have Corvallis be mine. Ooh. Be my uh, third one. Ooh. I like that. Curveball. Just throwing yeah. that one out of nowhere. I like it. Yeah. I think, yeah, for a place I've never been to, but I want to add it to my list of college baseball towns, like places I want to go see some college baseball. I'm put Charlotte, North Carolina on there. It's the home mm-hmm. of the ACC tournament. It's the home of the the uh, a lot of like fun little midweek games. I mean, you get obviously a few North Carolina schools that are that are playing there in Charlotte. So I, I think that'd be a really fun place to go spend a weekend, watch some college baseball. Yeah. I was, I was about to suggest like Raleigh slash Chapel Hill slash Durham. Cause they're all like within like walking distance. Almost. It feels like walking. Is, it, is that cheating though? <laughs> There's like uh, the three miles apart. That is, I would consider that walking distance. All right. Uh, sure. You can have that. That can be your fourth spot. If, if you want a Carolina little, little circle there. Yeah, I'll take it. And then I think my last one is probably either going to be Starkville, Hoover, uh, Fayetteville. I, I think it's some SEC. Three. Okay. Well, I, I think it's some SEC location. I think if I had to choose one, mm-hmm. I might do Hoover just because the SEC tournament is so fun. But if I had to like go live somewhere to like to to watch college baseball, it probably would be Starkville or Fayetteville to to get like the the experience of the dude or. A, a bomb walker so I, I think that's that would be my fourth spot with let's say the south and i'll say hoover just so i give an answer instead of a non-answer <laughs> yeah that's that is fun hoover hoover's a it's a hoot especially when you're up at 1 a.m due to like rain messing up the whole schedule of the whole day and you're in like the bottom of the fifth inning of lsu mississippi state just because that seems like what happened hey, with pace of play rules hoover it's going to be done by 7 p.m at night all the games will be done <laughs> we should go back this year then yeah all right, let's head over to our top story. And our top story today, if you've been anywhere near social media, you have would have gathered that everyone and their dog got swept this weekend. 20 <laughs> teams in our top 50 right now swept their opponents. And I haven't done any actual metrics of this, but that has to be the most. That has to be a record. 20, that's like it's 40, 40% of the top 50 swept their opponents um and then very interestingly half of the top 10 got swept right that's right half of the the top 10 had a losing record this week uh so there was a lot of chaos uh i'm not going to list all 20 schools that that got swept but (laughs) kyle are there any of the sweeps that stand out to you i'm going to throw one out there let you get the brain juices flowing i think east carolina getting swept by wichita state was pretty surprising 
uh, uh, traveling to Wichita State. Wichita State is, I mean, not just a, a 500 team. They're, they're a decent uh, click above 500, so it's a solid team. I wouldn't say there was – it wasn't like devastating for them to lose that series, but I really expected East Carolina to win game three after they lost that series. Yeah, for me, I think Texas getting swept at home by one of the worst Big 12 teams was shocking. I know it's a rivalry series, and I, I feel like it's one of those maybe that you can throw the records out, but this is the first time that OU has swept Texas at all since 1998, and the first time ever that OU has swept Texas in Austin. And that's 100-plus years of playing baseball for those two schools. That's That just feels insane. That, that is never very happened. wild. Yeah, I, I don't think Texas gets swept in Austin all that often and Oklahoma has not been one of the teams to do it but they did this weekend we had a, a few more sweeps that we'll get to a little bit later including some between our top two top 10 teams that was Florida and South Carolina that's part of the pick'em so we'll get to it in a minute I think some of the other interesting things that I saw I was uh earning a sweep over Nebraska was fairly mm-hmm. interesting uh Ooh, also one of our pick'em matchups. So we can get to that in just a they moment. They dominated though, basically. <laughs> they did. Uh, rest in peace, Nebraska in the top fifty. <laughs> they were, which we get. They were in for so short, so short amount of time. Yeah, just the two weeks. And let's head over to our top fifty and our uh, pick'em recap. The top ten has some chaos to say the least uh so number one and two are the same lsu wake forest followed by number three south carolina up three spots florida vanderbilt four and five campbell coastal six seven arkansas eight stanford nine duke is number 10 entering into the top 25 we have tennessee jumping all the way up to 13 arizona state at 17 and uh oregon uh, moving up from 25 to 23. So Texas A&M is new and, and Dallas Baptist are also new to the top 25. Entering into the top 50 altogether, it's Clemson, Georgia, Notre Dame, Auburn, Oklahoma, Indiana State, and Kansas State. What do you want to talk about with the top 50? Because there's a whole lot we can unpack here. Yeah, I feel like I feel like there's so much there was so much movement, but like it what would makes it the most notable is that only four teams out of the 50 didn't move at all. You had LSU, Wake Forest staying, number, staying the same at number one and two. Stanford stayed the same. UTSA stayed the same. That's it. That's number yeah, no one. No one, one's going to have the same number next to their name this week. I know. Yeah. So Arizona State jumped up after a big weekend. You got uh, Alabama jumping up after a road, a road sweep. And then jumped up a little bit. Tennessee jumped up like 13 spots. And so yeah, with all yeah. that, there's just there's a lot of red and a lot of Christmas colors on our spreadsheet. Yeah, uh, I want to talk a little bit about the top three. Is there controversy, Kyle? Should we be considering someone else besides LSU at number one? Should we be considering someone besides Wake Forest at number two? We have South Carolina at three. Uh, did you seriously yeah. consider shuffling those teams at all? I didn't. No, I, I think like LSU has has earned their spot at number one with the talent and not having consecutive losses in the, the entire year. Wake Forest the same way. They have not lost back-to-back games, and that's kind of hard to do when when you only lose six games in, in the whole year, so it, it makes sense. But, uh, yeah, I think I think these are the two, like, slam-dunk teams. Uh, Wake made it a little bit scary, losing game one in a weird way for Wake, losing a game three to nothing. But then they came back and scored 50 runs on Pitt in the next two games, so I think it's all right. <laughs> Yeah, I think so. I I would say I, I did consider 
putting someone else at, at number one and number two. Uh, I'd say my consideration for someone else at number one was pretty short lived. I think LSU, 32 and seven, eight and two on the road. It's pretty impressive. They just got a road sweep. So that, you know, it's got three more road wins right there. They uh, haven't lost a series all year. I mean, what's not to like? I felt like that. I felt pretty confident about them at number one. I mean, the debate became a little bit to me about South Carolina versus Wake Forest. And the thing that that gave Wake Forest the edge, I think there's two. One, they haven't lost a series. South Carolina has to Vanderbilt. That's obviously not a huge series loss, but Wake Forest hasn't lost a series. And then South Carolina is only seven and five on the road compared to 13 and five on the road for Wake Forest. I think... I, that's a stat that I like looking at. I like to see road teams, uh, road wins. It's really hard winning away from home. I think it's you, the committee and, thinks and you, that way too. And you have to do it at some point. Yeah, yeah. Omaha is a neutral site. You have to be able to leave your home confines and go win games. And uh, right now, South Carolina has only done that. Uh, I'd say when you add in the neutral sites, they've done it ten times. But Wake Forest has has the edge even with the neutral site game. So that's what makes me feel like. Hey, at the end of the day, it might be splitting hairs a little bit. You know, the depth of South Carolina's pitching could be better than the depth of Wake Forest. I think the high end of Wake Forest pitching is better. I think the offense at Wake Forest maybe is a touch better. You can start splitting hairs. uh, Mm -hmm. But I think the resume so far that Wake Forest has built, I feel a little bit more confident about them being number two. Yeah, early this season, it's based on like talent and what you expect the team to do. And late in the season, it comes to resume. And I feel like, yeah. LSU Wake are a pretty clear one too. Not losing a weekend in South Carolina had an argument for for jumping at least Wake this weekend after sweeping Florida, but um, yeah, we left it the same pretty much at one one and two. I think that's fair. Let's take a move now over to the results from our pick'em, and I think if we learned anything, Kyle, we learned that we need to swap pick'em slates because I think so. You went three and three in your six series that you had that one makeup series. I went three and two in my five. But this week, we also both picked each other's series. And I would have gone five and one in yours and you would have gone four and one in mine. So I I don't know (laughs) what we're doing wrong exactly with that. But let's break it down. I'll start with my five series. South Carolina swept Florida. I like South Carolina at home. Got that one right. Troy knocked off Texas State, and Troy now I think is really starting to entrench itself as a very serious Sun Belt upper echelon team, which means I think they have a really good shot at making it into the NCAA tournament. I think perhaps the surprise of the week for me was Kansas State knocking off UC Irvine. It's hard traveling a thousand miles and beating a mm-hmm. team that has a pretty good pitching staff. So Kansas State, I think, elevated themselves a lot in my mind doing that. And it helped their RPI and their RPI Plus as well. They've moved uh, into the top 70 in RPI Plus, sitting now at 57 in RPI Plus. Not a bad spot to be. Um, I So I got that series wrong, though. I picked Irvine over Kansas State. I correctly picked Coastal over Southern Miss. And boy, did Coastal blow the doors off of Southern Miss in those first two games, mm. uh, scoring 20-plus runs in game two. Before Southern Miss came back to salvage the series, I think that was really important for Southern Miss to make sure they stayed on track in terms of their at-large bid potentials. Those are both tournament teams in my mind. And then last but not least, I picked Kentucky to win the series at home against AM. They dropped that series 1-2. Um, I... Don't think this one was super shocking. This one did feel like a little bit of a more up in the air type of situation. I think we as a 
outlet has have been collectively much lower on Kentucky than some of the other outlets. And I think this adds fuel to our Kentucky hate, apparently. <laughs> apparently. All right. So three and two week for me, Kyle. Give me the rundown of your six series. Yeah. So I went three and three. Um I picked Duke right. I you had you convinced me to switch that one. I was Feeling Louisville just getting up for like a nice big road series on the road, uh, like in in uh, Durham, but I switched to the last minute to Duke. I just like Duke's pitching a lot more, and yeah, they lived up to it. But I mean, it was really just the offense that did it for me. So uh, I went to bed Friday night having like I don't know you you would no, I guess it was what you had told me that Louisville was up seven to nothing on Duke, and I was like, oh man, well I lost game one. And then Duke came back and won ten to nine with a grand slam in the uh, bottom of the ninth. Basically, Alex Mooney. You, yeah, the way that you dream, every kid dreams of it. Uh, down three, a grand slam, bottom of the ninth. That's the way it goes. It's it's really nice. Oh wait, speaking uh-huh. of home runs, really fast, and I don't want to derail us totally. Oh, that that's accidentally kind of a a little little pun because did you see the UCSB hitter who hit the ball? I think it was four hundred and seventy six oh. feet and hit the light rail outside the stadium in San Diego. Like he hit it literally onto an elevated train track. The home run went so far. It's amazing. I, yeah. I did see that, but I couldn't see the ball in that video. So I, I, I was just like, I'll, I'll take you, I'll take your word for it. Oh, I screenshotted it and circled the ball. So nice. check out our Twitter at college ball and that Kyle, in case you didn't Ooh. know that uh, there's a, an orange circle around the ball on, on one of the tweets. All right. I'll, I'll go look at that. Um, yeah. Getting back into the uh, and the pick'em results here, so Duke won all three of these games by one run, two walk-offs, uh, and then the the game three they won it with um, three runs in the eighth, so almost a walk-off, as close to a walk-off as you can get. Um, so I I didn't see a sweep coming for sure, but by Duke, I thought I thought Louisville's offense had enough, but I guess they Duke's pitching just kind of figured them out in games two and three. Uh, and then the other one, so the one that I got wrong next was uh, Virginia at Notre Dame. I went with the top 10 team with the top 10 offense and overall well-rounded pitching staff over the home team that has like the 250 ranked, 250th ranked offense. But you didn't take into account how spooky Notre Dame was. <laughs> I guess. I guess too much, too many graduate enough. students, too, too many, too much senior and grad leadership there. I guess so. Um yeah. Oh well, I got that one wrong. Um, you win some and you lose some, and I I lose about the same amount that I win. Mm-hmm. Um, so then the other one I got wrong was Oregon State Arizona State. So that one I felt pretty confident in going to bed on Friday night. Oregon Wild State series. was up. Oregon State was up by a lot. I think they're up. Let's see, 11, 13, 12 to one, twelve to nothing when I when I went to bed, and it ended up thirteen to eleven. So it was way closer than I thought, and then. Arizona State also had a grand slam walk off in game two to to win that one, make it a rubber series. And then just, you know, another uh, West Coast baseball, 12 to 10 game three that featured a lot of home runs, way, way too many home runs for Oregon State. had that was a five run lead in that game three at one point, a six run lead, something like that in the middle. Yeah, of innings. something. Yeah, five run lead and then Arizona State answered with six runs in the bottom of the third. And then, yeah, went back and forth. That was that was a wild game three. Uh, so. Uh, I discounted uh, Arizona State's offense a little bit too much. I won't do that again. They had also just lost earlier in the week to Arizona, uh, twenty to nothing. So I just felt I felt like I had that momentum going into that one. But oh well. 
Um, enough that I got wrong. I'm I'm gonna go with my uh, coin flip one here. So West Virginia swept TCU at home. That the was coin, a coin has flip spoken. For me, I felt like. <laughs> yeah, but that was a sweep. It, I mean, I feel like most of our my series were sweeps. No, that's wrong. A couple of my series were sweeps. Um, this one was just West Virginia doing West what West Virginia does, pitching well, and then seventeen to seven blowout in um actually a run rule in game three. Um, five of yeah, six yeah. of your series were sweeps. Five of six. Wow. The only one that wasn't um, was that Oregon State, Arizona State one you just talked about. Nice. Uh Nebraska, Iowa. I the Iowa just dominated Nebraska in this. There was an eight oh shutout in game two and six one shutout in game three. Just uh helps when you have a guy pitch that pitches over a hundred and that's that's all she wrote. I think that's all of my series. That Vandy Boys Tennessee series. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> that was also a sweep. I definitely didn't see a sweep coming in that one either, but I don't know. Makes the SEC East standings even more chaotic. Now South Carolina moves to number one in the East. Let's take a quick break and we'll be right back with What Are the Odds? Next up on the podcast, What Are the Odds? Before we get to that, though, if you haven't already given the College Baseball Nation podcast a rating, we would really appreciate it if you did that on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Maybe get, leave us a review. It help, helps us get the word out. Kyle, the next segment we have on the podcast is what are the odds? I'm going to give us a scenario and we have to figure out the percentage of that thing happening. And so let's start off talking about our favorite team to hate, and that is the Kentucky Wildcats. We don't actually hate them, but it does feel that way sometimes. The Kentucky Wildcats, let's talk about the good first. They are 30 and 9 overall, number two in the RPI, also number two right now in the RPI plus. They're doing pretty well. 11 and 7 in the conference. You got to feel like, hey, this is a shoe-in tournament team. This is not only a shoe-in tournament team, this is like probably a team that has a good shot at hosting. Just look at that resume without looking at anything else. Kat, what are the odds that Kentucky loses all of their remaining SEC series? <laughs> and well, I'll so- throw out some context. They do at Vanderbilt, host South Carolina, at Tennessee, and host Florida. Uh, to all top 25 teams, three of those are top five teams. Tennessee now has moved into the top 15. So that is why this question comes up. Kentucky will be the lower ranked team in all four of these series, at least as of today. Are they winning any of these series, Kyle? Hmm. Well, before I get there, I, I think it's funny that we uh, called out poten- like possibly Nick Ningione, t- Kentucky's head coach, being maybe on the hot seat to start the year, like after a, a really start solid start to his career at, t- at Kentucky. In 2017, they they're really good in the SEC and they went to the postseason, but they haven't done a lot since. And now look, they're number two in the RPI and doing really well. So uh, maybe we were the fire that he needed. <laughs> yeah, maybe so. <laughs> maybe we we influenced the Kentucky head coach to to yeah. coach better. Maybe that's mm-hmm. that's what happened. That's exactly what happened. Um, but let's see. So you got at Vandy, South Carolina, at Tennessee, and Florida. I think that there's a, a pretty good chance that they lose all four of those series. Like it, like the one that they, I feel like they had the best chance to win was Tennessee, but it's it's in Knoxville where the, where the Vols just swept Vandy. I, I feel like I don't know. I'll I'll put like thirty percent that they do it just because it's baseball and that happens that they lose all four of those series. 
So that, I mean, I don't know, that may, maybe feel, that would make me feel pretty good as a Kentucky fan. That there's a, a decent shot that I can win some of these series. Yeah, I I am doing just a little bit of back of the envelope math. And if I put it at the fact that they have a, let's say, 25% chance of winning each of these series individually, mm-hmm. which is, I don't know, whatever, back of the envelope. We don't have to be super accurate. That would actually <laughs> yeah. put it at a 32% chance that they lose all four of those series. So that actually gets really close to your 30% uh, estimate right there. Nice. Um, I'm going to lower it a little bit. I think that... I. I don't see them. I, I think Florida is probably their most winnable series. That the okay. one to end the year. Like I, I think just because it's at home. I think I agree that Tennessee's had enough up and down that we would expect that one probably to be the most winnable. But going to Lindsey Nelson Stadium, non-trivial. But hosting Florida at Kentucky Proud Park, uh, I think that uh, the Kentucky pitching staff will probably be at least reasonably good enough to keep that Florida offense have at least a game or two where they can keep it off in, in check give themselves a chance to win maybe one of the starters for florida doesn't have his a stuff that game and you know we're at a 1-1 series and kentucky has a chance to win it i think that's the scenario playing out in my mind where if they're going to win a series it's that one so and also i i don't know maybe 75 percent chance of losing all these series maybe that's a little tough maybe they have a better chance yeah. of winning some of them so i'm going to put it let's say i would say 10 percent chance that they don't win another series so i'm going to say 90 percent chance they win one of these four series yeah just based on the odds i feel like but at least one looking at the individuals i i i don't know kentucky's pitching staff worries me that they, they walked 23 batters this weekend against a&m and one of those games was a win where they still walked seven batters. And they, I mean, they shut down, I feel like AM's offense in that game three, but uh, I don't know. It's just, it seems to be inconsistent. And it maybe is a little bit cold there. I don't know if that has a whole lot to do with it, but it, it was just a little bit worrisome. And then I think there are a few instances where they had like two on, nobody out, and then they bunted three times and got maybe a run out of it. Whereas like, if you just let your guys hit, like you have a better chance at getting some runs. Like I just, I just, I don't like small bunting. ball is dead. We're, we're in <laughs> yeah. the hit it over the fence era of baseball. Never bunt hit dingers. Yes. Kyle, what are the odds that we have zero, exactly zero big 12 teams hosting a regional this year. It would be quite the oddity every year. And my recent memory, Kyle, you might have a better memory. Big 12 has hosted at mm-hmm. least one regional, oftentimes closer to two, sometimes even three big 12 hosts. But here we are sitting at two thirds plus through the season. And it is not obvious to me which of the big 12 teams is going to be most likely to host. So I'll take a stab at this one first. So what I think of, of a team, a, a big 12 team hosting is First off, I think, who's going to win the conference? And after Texas got swept by Oklahoma, that becomes a lot muddier. And then secondly, I think, who's really high in the RPI or the RPI plus? And I'm looking now at 22, West Virginia, and 25, Oklahoma State, Texas at 30. Then there's a huge drop off to Texas Tech at 54. So if I'm looking at a team that's going to host, Texas Tech might still have it in them if they make a run, win the Big 12, rack up a bunch of wins. But it's starting to narrow down in my mind to West Virginia, Oklahoma State, and Texas. That's the three most likely teams. Yeah. If West Virginia wins yeah. the Big 12, I I, I I could see them hosting. But I'm going to say, let's say a chance of at least one Big 12 team hosting. I'm going to put it at like 60%. So a chance of no Big 12 team hosting, I'm going to say 40% chance of that. Hmm. 
Yeah, I, I think, so you said, what did you say West Virginia's RPI plus is? 22 right now. 22. That's It's in the zone where they if they keep winning some games here, they have a, they have a really good chance. They finish at Baylor and then versus OU. At Baylor is kind of an RPI dropper there, but um, they have Tech and at Texas to end the year. So that those will help their RPI. They just can't get swept in either of those series. And that, that is easier said than done for sure. But I, I confirmed that the Big 12 has had at least one host going back to 2006 every year. So I, um, I that's as far, my, my, as far as my data went back, but I could I could keep going <laughs> if we want to. We could dig deeper. Time. Yeah, I think that just because of that, like I, I, it's just so hard for me to imagine a Big 12 team not hosting. So that's why I, I went, when I go 40%, I might even feel like it could be lower than that of, of no Big 12 team hosting. I think it's unlikely. Yeah, I, I think there were what, like RPI number three conference four conference is that right number four right four. now yeah i i think i think that rfi number four conference gets one but the way that the big 12 is like the top of the big 12 is going i feel like it's just one which i don't know Let's, yeah very so interesting be west virginia or texas right now we, we have a uh, a little bit of a, a tie atop the big 12 standings in the sense that west virginia and oklahoma state are both four games above 500 but oklahoma state has mm-hmm. played two additional big 12 series already so Oklahoma State's next two weekends are at Michigan and then hosting East Tennessee State. So that's a weird little, uh, yeah. they're not going to play a Big 12 team for three weeks. So we'll see what the status of the Big 12 is come the weekend of May 12th when Oklahoma State has two Big 12 series to finish the year. If they go on a nice run, win some of those series, head down to to Norman to finish the year off, maybe get to 15, 16 Big 12 wins, I think Oklahoma State probably would host. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that's that's the other team that's up there. I, I think I said West Virginia and Texas, but Oklahoma State, I think, yeah. They're going to need to sweep ETSU, and they still might drop some in the RPI for that. At Michigan, Michigan is intriguing. A tricky little yeah. series, though. That's That should be an RPI boost being on the road. Last mm-hmm. one for this segment. What are the odds of UTSA winning Conference USA? A lot of the same letters in Cusa and Utsa. Utsa. <laughs> I don't know if anyone calls UTSA Utsa, but they should. No, but I got you to say Cusa finally. Cusa, yeah. Cusa and Utsa. Uh, <laughs> and then Debu, DBU, Dallas Baptist, <laughs> is I think the other team that we need to be thinking about in this conversation. Because right now the con- Conference USA has turned into... Uh, let's say a two horse race with the third horse that's at least trotting along Dallas Baptist at 15 and three UTSA just half a game behind 14 and three Charlotte at 12 and five let's quick pause Charlotte has had a huge season turnaround they were at one point several games below 500 the 22 and 17 they schedule incredibly hard their RPIs at 56 they are playing Mm -hmm. themselves into at least the conversation of an at-large bid we'll see where that goes but right now I think that the serious contenders for CUSA are Dallas Baptist, UTSA, both those teams in our top 25. What are the odds UTSA passes up Dallas Baptist and wins the conference? Interesting. Yeah. Uh, so let's see. UTSA They have finishes... not played each other. That's, a, I think, a great place to start this conversation <laughs> is that Dallas Baptist is traveling to San Antonio for a series May 12th through May 14th, which obviously will have huge implications in this race. Yeah. I think I think because that one's in San Antonio, I think that that is enough for me to to put UTSA over the edge. 
And I think UTSA has a slightly easier schedule with UAB on the road and then Rice at home and then at Louisiana Tech um, kind of sandwiching that Dallas Baptist series. Dallas Baptist finishes with at Rice and then Middle Tennessee at home and then obviously at UTSA and Western Kentucky. Um, actually, both of those series are pretty pretty uh, easy. And, and Yeah, the know. big difference to me is that Dallas Baptist is traveling to San Antonio for that series. Yeah. So I think if we're just projecting, I would say, yeah, UTSA has got this one. Uh, they're a half game back right now because of a canceled game. Was Against it two Charlotte. weeks ago? Yeah. yeah. I think, yeah, I, I want to say I, I'm giving the edge to UTSA here, but I don't think it's a, a huge amount. I think it's basically like, let's see, the effect of home field advantage maybe pushes them a little over coin flip. And then, uh, so I'll see 65% chance that UTSA wins Conference USA. Yeah. Don't lose these series at at La Tech and at UAB. I think they they have a good shot. I think that's the one of the the toughest things here is that right after UTSA hosts Dallas Baptist, then they have to go at Louisiana Tech. Louisiana Tech's down this year, but it's still not easy place to win. While mm-hmm. Dallas Baptist gets to host Western Kentucky, I would say to those two schools are at least somewhat similar in my mind in terms of quality, but one's at home once on the road i could imagine a world utsa wins that series against dallas baptist gets like a one game lead and then loses the series to louisiana tech and dallas baptist sweets western kentucky and then still wins conference usa you know like a little, a little backdoor mm-hmm. championship uh I, that's a scenario i could definitely see playing out because finishing on the road is not easy yeah and, and the problem is with all these is that like so you have dallas baptist and utsa a little bit above Charlotte and then a gap between Charlotte and the rest. I feel like to be the top of the league like this, it's easy when it's just one of you that's really good. So like see East Carolina and the American, like you don't have to be perfect every weekend to still win the conference. But like when you got two of you competing against the rest of the conference, I feel like you have to be perfect all the time because the other is going to watch, kind of wait for you to screw up and, and ready to be ready to pounce. So it's, it's a, uh, it's interesting. Yeah, uh, and I know apparently I example East Carolina is East in Carolina. third place in the American <laughs> with Wichita State and Houston, both example. at eight and four. So uh, yeah. maybe East Carolina last year and the years before. But this is a, yeah. the American is a interesting little battleground right now. Kyle, it's our favorite time. It's mail time. We have two questions in the mailbag this time. Let's start with the short one before we get into the longer one. I want to talk about Arizona State a little bit more. We had a question from Twitter. What is Arizona State's ceiling this year? I can tar- start to take a stab at this one. I think their ceiling is probably, I mean, I would say regional team feels like maybe not quite their floor, but it feels like at this point we should really expect Arizona State to make a regional. So I'd say let's put that their their soft floor. If they lose a bunch of games at the end, they'll drop out. Uh, so I think floor for Arizona State is a regional. I think ceiling because they're thirty one right now in RPI and uh, they are top twenty five right now in RPI plus. I think their ceiling or the twenty seventh in RPI plus. Their ceiling is probably hosting a regional and then hosting if they're hosting winning a regional. I think that if 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 I were to guess, they would not be able to get all the way up to hosting a super regional. And 
I think with their 5.78 team FIP, if they're traveling on the road with a pitching staff that is giving up a lot of runs, that feels like that's mm-hmm. basically it. I think make a super regional is their ceiling. I don't see them as an Omaha team right now. Yeah. I, it's interesting. They, their, uh, their schedule is really backloaded this year. So they just, they just had Oregon state. And then now that the next they have at Oregon host Stanford at USC host UCLA, that's, that's the top like five teams right there in the in the conference, and I know right now Arizona State's leading by a half game in the Pac-12, which is definitely a feather in their cap. And like you said, they're thirty-one in the RPI. But if they can win a few of those series, maybe win one of those series on the road, don't get swept in any of those, and um, have a good shot at winning your home series, then yeah, I think they could be a host. I, I don't think uh, top eight is in their cards, so. Like you said, going on the road is 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 pretty huff, tough. Let's see, Boyd, does Boyd's World have anything up yet? Oh, good question. Uh yeah, I do think because their strength of schedule is so high, you know, maybe there's a their upcoming strength of schedule. Maybe there is a path for them. Like it's all all twenty so, something plus win teams coming up, so there might be a path forward. But it's going to take a whole lot of winning. They have fifteen remaining games left: eight at home, seven on the road. Boyd's World says to get a top eight RPI. They need to win all but one of those games, and yeah, that's that's uh all of those home games, and then six of the seven road games. So you get a top sixteen could be enough if it's if it's on the the higher end of that. They have to win basically eleven or twelve games out of the fifteen. I think that's hard to do. So I think I think that is probably their ceiling this year is winning a regional at home. If you keep this up. The second question we have in our mailbags, a little bit of a, of a bigger one. It's who is our eight for Omaha right now? Mm. We have some similarities, some differences. Let's talk about the similarities first, and then we can get into where we diverge. Right now, we have both. We have LSU, Wake Forest, South Carolina, Vanderbilt, and Duke in our uh, eight for Omaha. Uh, did I already say Stanford? If not, we both also have Stanford. Um, so that means that we have six of our eight for Omaha, the same two different. Uh, I think maybe uh, the team I want to talk about the most, probably from that group that's similar, is probably Duke. I think the reason why I have Duke, and I'm guessing it's for similar reasons as you, is that pitching staff is really, really good. Like yeah. one of the most unheralded pitching staffs that have a team FIP of 3.87. I mean, that's ridiculous. That's better than yeah. LSU is right now. That's better. Then, I mean, basically everyone, but like South Carolina and Wake Forest, I don't know, right? It's like one of the best pitching staffs in the country that nobody's talking about pitching, having a deep pitching staff like that bodes well. But also they have uh, number 11 RPI plus. So I think they're looking like a host and they might even be able to once people wake up and realize that they're they're doing all these great things, be a top eight seed because that RPI I think is going to be in that range. That's why I like them as a potential Omaha team. Uh, any other one of the ones that you want to talk about that we both uh, shared in our eight for Omaha? Uh, Stanford. I'm I'm curious about them right now. They're second in the Pac-12. Uh, if they can keep up these wins, what is their RPI right now? They're 21 in the RPI, and it doesn't feel like they necessarily need to be at home through the supers. Like they've done it both ways in the last few years. So it's, That's it's true. possible they went to Lubbock to and won a super regional in Lubbock, which is I thought was an impossible task. <laughs> yeah, but I I just uh, I'm like it was my least confident of those eight. It just feels like it's a team that 
gets gets regionals at home, gets super regionals at home against some local California teams, and they just dominate them with something that they're really good at. Lately has been offense. So I feel like I just felt like Stanford is that that kind of team this year. I think that's something that probably a casual fan doesn't realize is that Stanford is not pitching West Coast baseball. Like Stanford, yeah. it's actually kind of similar to the Omaha Stanford last year, which was offense first, which is Stanford is a very, let's say, I don't know, modern offense uh, in the college baseball world, not the yeah. typical West Coast bunt your way on type of offense. It's a hit the ball over the fence kind of offense. Uh, so I like that. I think that they are, I would say, and I'm struggling to find another example, but the most offensive team on the West Coast, which is why I like them to advance to uh, definitely a super regional and I think have a good shot at Omaha. Uh, I think it's very likely they end up hosting a regional if they stay on track and maybe get first or second in the Pac-12. So hosting a regional, having a super good offense feels like a, a reasonable pick for an Omaha team right now. I had as two more of my teams, Arkansas and Florida, um, I don't think my defense for these teams is uh, maybe your the typical defense of these teams. These teams consistently get to Omaha. They have Omaha experience, uh, or at least coaches that have Omaha experience. They, I think, both have reason to think that. I mean, Florida more so has a starting rotation. I think you feel really good about. I think Dave Van Horn has shown us that he's one of the best bullpen managers in the college game, where he's willing to do really clever things with uh his you know putting his ace into his bullpen like he's done this year you know just doing yeah. stuff like Dave Van Horn knows how to work a bullpen so even though Arkansas's team FIP is, is 5.3 that offense is pretty good uh so I I don't feel super confident necessarily that Arkansas is an Omaha team but if you told me like well if you force me to say who I think it's gonna be on Omaha they're on my list right now I think that's a pretty good pick I was just going based off of I'm not sure if they're gonna well, they're probably going to get a top eight seed, which it's hard to lose at Baumwalker. And they, I know they did a few years ago as a, the one overall seed. But yeah. Oh, that's another part yeah. of it. They're number four on the RPI plus right now. So that makes me feel pretty yeah. good about them hosting. But uh, like just their schedule is, is tough coming up. I think they can handle it, but they have hosting a this weekend at State and then host South Carolina and at Vandy. That's as far as the last two series go. That's that's brutal. Um, I think they can still win them. I I'd be if they win at least one of those, I think they have a, a really good shot at a top eight. They probably have a t- good shot at top eight, no matter what. I don't know. I didn't. I like them. Who do you have though? You yeah. have two other teams besides <laughs> the ones that I've already mentioned. I have two other ones. And one of them is just a gut feel. I just, it feels like it's one of the years for, for it. Uh, I picked coastal as one of my top eight. I, I just, it feels like a, the year that, that we see a non like power conference team in Omaha. It seems like we've had, so many in the last like few years, it's been mostly power conference teams, but their offense is like really good. They're, they're the fourth Boba in the country with they, they hit a bunch of home runs. That's, it's like what you do this year in baseball. It feels like their pitching is leaves a little bit to be desired, but they strike out a lot of batters. And so I, it could be, it could be fun. It could be fun to see coastal in Omaha. The other one is almost the exact opposite Oregon. You had I I just like the way that Oregon shut down Stanford a few weeks ago. They did it with their Friday and Saturday aces pitching complete games. If you have two pitchers that can throw complete games against one of the better offenses in the West Coast, I feel like that's gives some confidence to uh, do well in the postseason. It's I think it'll be really fun to see them in the Pac-12 in Pac-12 tournament if they can go far in that. Then it'll they'll instill some confidence in me that they can make it to Omaha. 
And they're another team that's on track right now to host a regional if the season were to end today. So that makes you feel pretty good. I think that I think that's uh, that's number one. When you start picking who you think is going to be in Omaha, you have to start thinking about who's going to be hosting because it is so hard to get yeah. to Omaha if you don't play at home. Ole Miss did it last year and they did a lot more, but that mm-hmm. that's not easy. That's not that's not year in and year out, right? We're used no, to seeing quite a few. You see a lot of one season Omaha for sure. Yeah. Thanks for listening to the College Baseball Nation podcast. If you haven't already, go check out our website, collegebaseball.info. We have a nice feature on Oklahoma, some stuff on the SEC rankings and more. Check out our socials at collegeballnat. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the midweek.